0: Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Fearless Generations with Terry Zayer
1: and Kelly Fox.
0: Good evening. Welcome to Fearless Generations. I'm Terry Sayer, and I'm flying solo tonight. Kelly's not feeling well, so you don't hear her normal little cheerful self coming on to welcome you, but I welcome you as well. We have a guest coach uh, coach this evening, Elizabeth Stitt. She is not here yet either, so you're kind of stuck with me. Can you hear me, me. Kelly? Oh, there you are. Oh, good. Kelly said you hadn't come on yet, so I was thinking I was going to be solo tonight. (laughs) <laughs> how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Welcome, welcome. Kelly is not gonna be on tonight because she's not feeling well, so we're just really happy that well. that you're Yeah, I am too. So I'm glad that you have joined us, Elizabeth, and um we let, we're talking about connection this evening and how to give and receive and so Let's uh start out with you introducing yourself to our listeners, telling us what you what you do, whom you coach, um, how you serve others. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for being here. I love the work
1: that you and Kelly do. I love the work of Fearless generations. i Thank coach you. parents. I give them the skills that they used to get organically growing up in multi-aged communities and in um, living in, in generations together that now because we're all working so hard and we're in environments where it's really not okay to talk about parenting, we don't share what used to be kind of common knowledge. So that's where parenting coaches come in.
0: Wow. That's interesting. I... Um... I was a school teacher for 40 years, so I um, have had a lot of opportunities to work with parents of the students that I taught, and I was in early childhood education, so I taught kindergarten, and um, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that you're talking about, how parenting has changed, and so how long have you been doing this, Elizabeth? Well...
1: I've been doing the parenting coaching for about seven and a half years and mm-hmm. I
0: taught 25 before that. Wow. So we have that in common, huh? <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah. So what do you find, in because I people are always asking me and I've been retired for like 17 years so it's been that long since I've been in the classroom or been around the school environment. What's different now in terms of parent involvement, student engagement, and, of course, with the distance learning that's gone on for the last year and a half, that's added a, an additional component of complexity to parenting. So what do you find in the time that you've been doing this? What are the biggest changes in parent parenting practices or confidence or what, what do you see happening out there?
1: Yeah. I mean, the reason that I started my business, I think it exemplified in a couple of ways. And one example I always give is that when I started teaching in 1990, uh, I was teaching middle school. You know, if you ask a seventh grader, Terry, hey, Terry, what do you want to be when you grow up? The answer would be something like, oh, I want to be a rock star like so-and-so or a football star like so-and-so. And And Mm -hmm. at that point, you would say, that's awesome. That's great. (laughs) you did not think that you needed to tell a 12-year-old, uh, like, no way are you going to be a rock star or no way I'm going to be a football star. Um, we just encouraged kids. And we, mm-hmm. just, we didn't think that they had to have it figured out by seventh grade. And today, or I got teaching in 2014. So, you know, in 2014, when I asked the seventh grader, Hey, Terry, what do you want to be when you grow up? The answer would be something like, ah, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to major in business and minor in computer science or major in computer science and minor in business. I I know I want to do a startup, but I think I should work for a big company first, like Google or Facebook. You know, when they did <laughs> that, it wasn't like, oh, I get to work at Google or Facebook or I want to be a, I want. I want to be a, a programmer. It was like they already felt the weight of the world on their shoulders mm, at mm. twelve. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing was that I was sort of judging and feeling like it was my parents who were getting in the way of my kids. And then the last three years that I was teaching, I was part time in the classroom, and part time I was the outreach teacher, which really meant that the school district didn't need to pay a counselor because they could pay me to do a counselor's job. Mm -hmm. And so I was in charge of the student study team meeting, the 504 meetings, and if an adult came into campus and talked to the office staff and said, you know, I want to talk to the principal, and they found out that it was sort of a social-emotional topic, they said, well, why don't you go talk to Mrs. Smith first? And Mm -hmm. so that was the first time that, you know, you remember how rushed parent conferences would be, right? You're trying to give them a lot of information. They're trying to give you a lot of information. And the next parent is already standing outside the door. In contrast, I would be able to sit down with the parent and say, well, you know, what's on your mind? And they would bring up some incident of, of you know, the child who wasn't, Integrating well, or had no friends, or had been their feeling hurt, or was having difficulty with the teacher. And as I said, okay, what else? What else is going on? What else is showing up with this kid? And what else? And how about at home? Are you seeing any of this at home? We'd get down to like under the water, deep below for the bottom of the iceberg. I began to see how overwhelmed and isolated. And therefore, anxious and also guilty, parents were feeling. Mm. And that when I kind of talked a little bit more with them about, you know, well, what happens when you're talking to the other parents? I had one parent who looked at me like like I was the devil incarnate. And she's like, mm. the, you don't get it. You can't talk to other parents about the bad things. Like, you can only talk to the other parents about, you know, the the great role in the school play that your child got or the soccer goal they made or, you Mm -hmm. know, the ribbon they won at the science fair. You can't say that they're coming home from school crying every day, much less that they're, you know, sassing you, swearing at you, arguing with you, Uh, making your turn gray. And it was listening to parents. Carrie that really made me realize how not only are the kids disconnected, but the parents are feeling very, very disconnected too. Mhm. Very disconnected. And um, and so and then they just yeah, that it, they feel so parenting feels like a burden. And a yeah. burden that they have to carry alone. And so, you know it, I've actually had people nigger when uh when I you know, I, when I am in a group and I say I'm a little bit of a fit. My business is joyful parenting coaching. <laughs> and they're still Yeah. You, a kid. What joyful, right. Lady, who are yeah. you?
0: What's yeah, right. live on? So do you work mostly with parents of adolescents? Uh, no.
1: I work with parents
0: of kids of all ages.
1: Uh, That being said, I do have a middle school mom's Facebook group that
0: is very Mm -hmm.
1: robust and active. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's kind of a time when uh, I think most parents struggle a bit in connecting with their kids. And if they're unable to connect with other parents, um, I can see why (laughs) there would be a, a real desire. And once they do connect, like on your Facebook group or in your group coaching that gives them this opening of space where they can be honest and compassionate with each other. In my, my experience, I've just been very fortunate to have uh, as I was raising my kids and even now, I mean, you never stop raising your kids. I mean, my youngest is 40 and I still haven't stopped, you know? Um, being able to talk to other parents who have have kids that are grown that have kids that, you know, that I've always had that yeah. support group of really good friends that we can be totally honest with each other because we're experiencing some of the same challenges or even if we're not, there's that level of support and compassion for one another that's been such a blessing in my life. But see, I'm of another generation, right? So uh, it may have been more prevalent in my day. Uh, When there was no social media, there was no, there were no cell phones. There was, you know, I didn't, none of that was a part of my parenting. And so my children weren't involved in, uh, in that whole landscape that now occupies so much of kids time. So I can see that. So is that lack of connection to, to their peers that you think parents are suffering the most from? Is that the biggest challenge that you notice and the kind of like the space you give them?
1: I think it's a very, very big challenge, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Technology is also a challenge because it also isolates us. Even as Mm -hmm. we connect in a Facebook group, um, it it still isolates us, right? I mean, you think of, you think of the family that's all sitting in the living room, but everybody is on his own device, and Mm -hmm. so... It, you know, particularly if they've got their earbuds in, they may have physical proximity, but they don't have any of that shared camaraderie. Right.
0: Um, or even
1: shared energy, a shared yeah. experience. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So what are some of the things that you help help parents with so that they can connect with I don't know, I mean, is there a component of connecting with their own their you know, their own essence as a parent as well as connecting to their children and then connecting to other parents and you know, there's, there's so many levels. Connection is, is really complex. So what are some of the tools that you share with with them in order to help them to connect?
1: Well, hey, this is sort of a backdoor, but I was thinking about your topic of giving and receiving. And uh-huh. uh, ironically, I think that one of the ways that we disconnect from our children that we could could very beneficially connect would be to ask more of them and to with more contributions to the household. More mm-hmm. more chores, more cleaning, more cooking, more everything else. And on the whole, parents these days I hear a lot of like, oh my kids are just too busy. Between school and between school and their activities, they they don't have time for chores. They just don't have time for it. And I look at the parents and I'm like, well, it's not like parents are sitting at home eating bonbons. Those parents are working pretty hard, too. So Mm -hmm. arguably, they don't have time either, and yet they come home and they do it. And I urge families to look at it, especially when you're talking about, like, middle school and above, to look at it as this group problem. Hey, we are a family. Families help each other. We're all working like crazy. And yet, home life is so much more pleasant. Mm -hmm. Everybody's helping in and it's working smoothly and you've got some routines for things and you can come together. And the thing about it, so one of the things that ails kids today is that they are too much in performance mode. And there's such an emphasis on, you know, where are you going to school? What is your outcome going to be? What path are you on? that and parents are feeling insecure about their parenting and so what reaffirms the parent is the student performance and whether that's on the soccer mm-hmm. field or on the stage or in the classroom mm-hmm. and so kids are feeling a great deal of pressure to perform and they're not really feeling valued for when they don't perform and yeah. again coming together as a family and working together and cleaning up together and cooking together and figuring things out together provides the fabulous opportunities for kids, for parents to truly appreciate kids, right? Like if somebody comes along and vacuums your living room, you are truly grateful. And that is, you know, we're talking about giving and receiving. That is something which your child can give to you, which you can receive with, with real appreciation. On the other hand, when your child comes home and gives you the A, it's doesn't actually mean anything to you. It's it's connect disconnected. It doesn't. You don't actually care about the paper that they wrote on the Renaissance. Um, but, yeah. You know they they make the salad and they get it on the table. Yes, that is something you can be really grateful for. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. in that way, kids feel important and they feel needed, and they feel appreciated. And. Making salad is so much easier than the quadratic equation. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when we ask our kids to show up and to help at home, we give them easy ways to, to perform, but performance which is you know well within their capability, and people are truly appreciative of them.
0: It really yeah, does. That's, make that's salad. interesting. It's kind of like a yeah. vicious uh, vicious uh, cycle, isn't it, with parents, maybe parents uh, equating their success to the success of their children, and then what you were talking about before where you're only telling the good things, you know, my child is so good at this, or not, you know, they they get straight A's, or they they made three goals, or they, you know, sang the solo in the choir, or, you know, that. And and then pushing, even if they, if you aren't consciously pushing your kids to do that, your kids see that. And as you're modeling that kind of uh, connection to others, uh, they see that. And like you said, that puts pressure on them to continually perform in maybe areas they don't even have an interest in, you know, but they've been pushed into by these uh, expectations, not just of parents, but of their own expectations in order to meet that. Um, quality of standard that they believe uh, and perceive to be what gives them value. And the danger of that is, uh, you know, when they don't measure up to their own expectations and then they equate that to being accepted in their family, they're in a very precarious emotional state at that point. And, uh, you know, that's I think that's when kids act out, when they, you know, become anxious or even depressed. And then I, I was
1: going to say, and and yeah. I I call I call the acting in, that mm-hmm. you know that you, that you turn that feeling rather. I mean, you would almost rather a kid act out, because when a kid acts out, we respond, and mm-hmm. you know we try we try to we we try to problem solve. But when a kid just withdraws, um, I think as adults we we get a sense of helplessness.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a very complex, uh, a very complex relationship, parents and children, isn't it? <laughs> and it's something that you don't go to school for. You don't go to school to learn how to be a parent. And if parents could connect with each other on a real, um, honest, compassionate level, you know, which is what I'm assuming, and maybe I, I'm assuming incorrectly, is what you're doing as you coach parents and do group, groups groups of parents, is to help them see the benefit. Of compassion and honesty uh, to support one another, because really, you know, you're—it's a common, a common experience being a parent, and uh, that that support from peers is extremely um, valuable, and it, it helps you to say, "I'm not alone." I, you know, look at all these other uh, parents you know, mothers or fathers or sometimes grandparents are parenting their grandchildren um, that are experiencing the same thing. So there, it's not something wrong with me. I just need the skills, you know. I need to learn the skills. I need to learn the
1: skills and there's not something wrong with me. It's it's just the stage. It's the phase, Like right? Yeah. They're you know, being yeah. able to remind each other that I think mean, it's so funny because we have this reputation of teenagers. We know at some level that they're going through all these emotions and all these changes. I call it being on the roller coaster, and yet mm-hmm. we are then we're, we're then offended when they come barreling at us. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, so useful. To well, have I love have, that. that yeah. it's so to Excuse have me. other mothers to be able to go and then to go. Yep.
0: Don't take it personally. It's happening at all, right? Office. Right. That that's easier said than done, right? <laughs> yeah. It's. I love the the part that you were talking about teaching. Uh, you know, teaching our, our kids or sa- working with our kids on the concept of of connecting by giving, um, and then being able to, as a parent and as a, as a child, or you know, in the home, to receive. And I think there are a lot of a lot of ways to, to help kids understand the the joy. You know, I talk about joy of parenting, the joy of giving and sometimes by giving to others outside of the family that can also then um transfer to giving within the family when they under, they see the the joy of giving and serving. And and really I find kids, um I, at whatever age, I mean, I've worked with kids in theater, and you know, all through high school, uh, they really love to—they really love to give. You know, I've taken them out to help with the homeless, or you know, to go and, and help uh, you know paint someone's house, or clean up a yard, or and they they seem to really take to that, and maybe that's another another tool to help them to learn to give and receive within their family. I don't know. I was just thinking that. <laughs> no, I love
1: that. I love that, and and, and I think it absolutely does.
0: Um,
1: well, okay. So one thing it does is that brings us out of ourselves. So, mm-hmm. given the rates of anxiety and depression, um, you know, my my home my home spun treatment would be start helping others. So mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm go be out in the community, go be looking at other people because you're always going to find somebody whose situation is, is worse than yours. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, not to, it's not to deny somebody else's pain. It's not to say that a person is not in pain. I don't, don't get me wrong in that at all. But it does help us to have perspective and mm-hmm. be able to say like, okay, I'm feeling pain about this. And at the same time, I see that I've got food, shelter, clothing, clothing. My parents are together. I'm not being beaten. I'm not addicted to anything. You know, whatever it is, the list the list can be pretty long. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that that's a, that that can be a wonderful perspective. Um, it's not going to it's not going to shift deep seated problems, but no. For the the kids who are in that just sort of general anxious, depressed, you know, to to the extent that it's in the range of, I feel like the whole world is on me. Like, I feel like I have to perform. I feel like it's the only value that I have in the world is my performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can get enough. Again, it's like like helping at home when we help others. Mm -hmm. Then people can be, we can get genuine recognition doing something for somebody else and that tells us that we have value that's not
0: just attached to yeah i think yeah. Uh, i know in our in our fearless living community we talk about you know the the greatest human need is to be connected you know and to feel that you have value other than you know if you look at maslow's hierarchy of needs you know that comes after food clothing you know that but that as far as emotional it's really being connected is is one of our greatest or you know our greatest needs in order to feel that we are we are valued and uh, so i i think too i don't know because i i've not worked with uh parents in you know specifically in how to connect with their kids but i would think that um there was some way to to help them to connect with their own You know, you're talking about performance and and all this. How do they, how do you help them to connect with themselves? So I know as an adult, it it took me a while to learn to value myself and love myself in an authentic, real way in order to then reach out and love others without it just being a duty. And I I just wonder how young you can work with with kids because I don't, I've never taught middle school. To help them to love themselves, you know, to be connected to their, their soul, their heart and see their own value. Is that something that you, you work with the parents with as well to help their kids connect with themselves and give themselves a break, give themselves, you know, permission to be perfect, you know, and not always perform and permission to (laughs) do what they like to do. You know, how do you, how do you work with parents on that one?
1: Well, so one of the shifts that I that I work with on parents is seeing their kids as being in process mm. and mm-hmm. a great way to be in process, which, you know, includes seeing themselves as being in process, right? Like we're all in process, yeah. we're yeah. all learning, we're all going to screw up and it's how we recover and how we go on and how we um, – are grateful for our mistakes and the things that we've learned so that we can then go and do something differently. And mm-hmm. a, a big piece of that, a really kind of concrete, useful piece of that is Dweck's research on growth mindset. Yes, yes. She has identified, right, she has identified really concrete ways of talking to ourselves and talking to each other, of course, talking as parents to our kids. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the first thing I do is to teach parents how to raise their kids in such a way to help develop their kids' growth mindset. And then the advanced skill of that is teach your kids, you know, to be their own voice in their head. I don't know how long it took you to get your parents' voices out of your head as the dominant voices. Um, I think I was
0: probably in my 30s before I was like, yeah, um, my kids say, okay. oh, that's what your mom said to you, right? And I said, yeah, that is what my mom said to me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm 76 years old. My mom's 99 years old. And I'm still saying the things that she said to me to my kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, exactly. Some of the, but I well, so, we can laugh about it now. You know, we can laugh about it. I say, oh, my gosh, that's what my mom said to me. And, uh, yeah, to get those, not just our parents, but, you know, sometimes it's our teachers or other adults in our lives okay. that, we hear that. Yeah, you, know, you,
1: know, you know, somebody can yeah, hit you in yeah. the long time, right? Like you were very vulnerable, and and they said something. Or maybe it was somebody. You know, I mean, I think that often kids have what I would call a crush on a teacher, and I don't mean that in a sexual way. I just mean it. No, in a, I know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, you're an adult, and I admire you kind of way. And, yeah. And that gives that teacher a lot of power. A lot mm-hmm. of power to have mm-hmm. a big influence. Um, yeah, you know, so all all the teacher has to do is make some offhand remark, and it's mm-hmm. very clear that even if you had a tape recorder in the room and replayed it, the teacher might not recognize it as the offhand remark because she doesn't know how it's landing. She it doesn't even occur mm-hmm. to her that a child is is receiving something in a critical or ne- negative way. Um,
0: but, yeah, yeah, that vulnerability is there for sure. Yeah. Um, well, um, I, I'm, so. I'm uh, looking at the clock, Elizabeth, and we are out of time. <laughs> Kelly's I'm usually the about. monitor of the time. So before <laughs> we, we are cut off, um, can you tell our listeners how to get a hold of you? And uh, if you post that on our, our uh, Facebook page as well so that – if they would like to, you know, engage in your services, they can find you. So how would they do that?
1: Okay. So to find me directly, it's just my name www.elizabethdick.com. That's E L I Z A B E T H D I C tcom With dot com. And if you're a middle school mom, do come find, if you're a middle school mom on Facebook, do come find the middle school mom Facebook group. I love the group. I love my parents. I love the way that they post what's going on to them, and then they all chime in and support each other and offer comfort and advice.
0: So That's great because that's places. a perfect example of being by giving and receiving, right? <laughs> it is. It is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for um, coming on and sharing your expertise in this area of connecting uh, parents and children, connecting, you know, individuals to their own value. We really appreciate so much you doing that. And um, we just want to remind everyone that Fearless Generations, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. I think Kelly says Twitter. I don't know. She says everything like that. Uh, you can find us there as Fearless Generations, and uh, we want to remind you that the Steps to Freedom were created by Rhonda Britton, the CEO and founder of Fearless Living Institute, where you can find a lot of information about her and about the work of Fearless Living. So thank you again, Elizabeth. I I think I got that all out before our time is up, so we appreciate your uh, being on our show, and we hope I miss my little Kelly and I hope she's feeling better. This is a uh, very odd for us to do this solo. So usually we have both my generation and her generation adding into the, the conversation, but I appreciate so much your participation and uh, looking at the step of connection. So in the meantime, uh, everyone have a marvelous uh, holiday with your family. Um, We appreciate you. You bless our lives every week, and we hope to see you or hear you or know that you're with us again next Monday night at 9 o'clock. So we will sign off, and thank you again, Elizabeth. So everyone, good night, and be fearless. Thanks, Terry. Uh Uh-huh.